Hello and welcome to Luke Talks Fitness. My name is Luke Holmes and I'm a strength and conditioning coach working with individuals and gyms, helping them with their training. This is where I explore ideas, share information and chat about all things in fitness, health and performance. In today's episode, I'm going to be going over strength development for CrossFit. Uh, I'm also going to look at general strength development for sports strengths as well, uh, with that mainly being weightlifting and powerlifting. And then I'm also going to look into what I think a lot of people are actually trying to get when they are looking to increase their strength uh, for CrossFit and where there might be some confusion around how people feel like they should train to develop uh, their strength abilities within the sport and then actually what they should be doing. So I think that generally speaking, a lot of people will gravitate towards trying to increase their strength when they start off um, performing CrossFit, unless people have come from a strength training background. And I think that's because the majority of the time, the weights that people are handling within typical CrossFit Metacons can be quite a lot and it can be fairly high volumes as well. Let's take, for instance, a, an easy workout, say Diane. Okay, so we have Diane, we have 100 kilos, 70 kilos deadlift, performed for 21.59. Now, generally speaking, that's a volume that most people aren't going to be used to. Um, you know, we might have someone who's fairly untrained, be able to get to, to a 100 kilo and a 70 kilo deadlift uh, within a short period of time. But for them to be able to perform that in an endurance setting, they have to be relatively stronger than the 100 or 70 kilo deadlift. However, I do think that there is quite an emphasis played on building up someone's absolute strength and how that will relate and translate into the sport. So I think that what we tend to see is people feel like an increase in absolute strength is therefore going to help them through the other strength demands that occur within the sport. And that is very much true to a certain extent. If we have a really untrained individual coming into the gym, if we increase their absolute strength, that's going to have great effects on their performance uh, all round. That's also going to have good effects uh, in other areas as well. It's going to be a, a real potent uh, dose of training for them. And I think that that can be really, really quite effective. However, as we start to progress, we can't necessarily apply the same thinking to that. So increasing absolute strength uh, to a certain level may not necessarily be the thing that people are actually trying to do. So if we look at what actually people tend to go into in terms of developing absolute strength, typically this is going to be looking at putting a weightlifting or a powerlifting style program into their usual training and adding in uh, additional crossfit work. Now that can happen on a number of levels, that can be uh, following a strength training program and then having conditioning at the end, that could be devoting a couple of days towards just strength development, um, or that could be actually just taking some time away and focusing on performing uh, strength work as say for instance a bit of an off season where they take time off crossfit. Now this was something that was fairly popular um, definitely about five, maybe, yeah, five to seven years ago. Um, but I would say that that's now less popular and I think people do understand that they need to still have some touches on the sport for them to be able to progress. But generally speaking, we're looking at <clears throat> a 
weightlifting or a powerlifting program that's going to be added into their usual training. Um, and the issues that we find with adding in a powerlifting or a weightlifting program is what I, I've, I've seen and what I've actually experienced myself is that these programs generally operate off of the understanding that that individual is only going to be performing that program. So a lot of the strength training models that have been written and developed over time are written and developed for people who are only doing that for their strength work. Okay, So it could be written for a weightlifter who is only doing the barbell training for their strength work. It could be written for a field sport athlete who's doing some supplementary strength and conditioning work and they're only doing that um, for their weight training. They may have some fatigue coming in from elsewhere when they practice their sport, but in terms of them touching weights and external load and going through that style of training, the only thing they're actually going to be going through is the program that they have written from their strength and conditioning coach. Now with CrossFit, you obviously have conditioning pieces and you have other elements of the sport which interfere with the strength development or the strength program quite a bit. So when people start to go through these programs, there is usually going to be some level of success to start off with. And this could probably last a couple of years. But then after a while, what tends to happen is when people try to integrate the sport back into things, their strength will drop off and they won't necessarily be able to apply the same training to what they were doing previously. And I think this is one of the things that a lot of people get caught up and trapped in, is they try to think about the program that they need to do for the rest of their life or the, the training template that they need to do for the rest of their life. They go on Reddit, they go on to T Nation or you know whatever uh, blog program is putting out free content uh, in that sort of style where they're giving people plug and play programs to develop themselves. And they think that that is actually what they need to be doing. And it's just as easy as switching up exercises, changing intensity, and just following the same um, style of training, rinse and repeat. And I would say that that, uh, you know, I, I would say that I've actually looked for that program myself, um, but that doesn't exist. Now, there are definitely, I've heard about uh, powerlifters going through the same cycle, but just re um, you know, reapplying their percentages or their max lifts. And I've, I've heard about that going on in the strength world, but not as much within CrossFit. And the reason for that is because CrossFit is still fairly new. The demands of sport are always progressing. And we've got to make sure that if we are looking for strength development over a very long period of time, then we are factoring in the interference that's going to be coming from other elements of the uh, sport and we are trying to create training and periodize it in a way whereby we may have a block of training focused on strength development, we don't touch a heavy barbell and metcons and then we go into a realization phase or a peaking phase where you play the sport a little bit more and you practice some of the elements of the sport within a more uh, typical competition fashion. Now, one of the things I would say is that there is actually quite a uh, common misconception that if people are looking to get stronger, that they need to do strength training and then they need to attach on heavy metcons in their training. And 
that is going to probably be one of the most counterproductive things for strength development. And the reason why I say that is because when you're looking to create a stimulus in your training from the strength training itself, and then you're going to add on additional volume within heavy metcons, what's likely to happen is that you're going to overreach and the training stimulus is going to be too intense and you won't be able to recover from the strength training that you're doing in the session. So the back squats, the push press, the accessory work, all of that work that you've been putting in there, as soon as you start doing those heavy metcons, that is likely going to interfere with it and could actually potentially uh, pull away from the results you would be gaining if you weren't doing those. Um, I think it's just a, it's a bit of an oversimplification and people need to understand that within training, if you are trying to increase your strength development um, as, as quickly as you can, then the conditioning work that you need to do needs to be on the opposite end of that scale. It needs to be a lot less intense. It doesn't, you can't let it interfere with the training that you're actually going through for the, for the strength work. Um, but yeah, a little bit of a segue there, but that's one misconception I hear uh, quite often. So now let's have a look into whether things translate into the sport. And before we do that, let's just look at the actual strength demands for the sport. Now, I do believe that absolute strength is an actual important player here because for you to break in and actually compete at certain levels, there are definitely some strength prerequisites that you need to attain. Now, let's say, for instance, let's talk at the, uh, the highest level. Generally speaking, the people that are going to be going to, to the CrossFit Games um, on the male side are going to be snatching around about 120 kilos, are going to be cleaning around about 150 kilos, and you could say that these are potentially just some strength prerequisites there. Um, and that will trickle down all the way to local level competitions where you may have the entry level to a, a wood is, is a little bit difficult and it becomes a little bit more fuzzy uh, the sort of lower you go down. But let's say a regional level competition, which is just under sanctional level, you know, you have to still do qualifiers to get to it. It's still quite a competitive field. Um, the strength prerequisites for that, that may be, a, you know, on the male side, a cleaner of around about 130 kilos. And maybe on the female side, looking at cleaner of around about 80 kilos, uh, maybe up to 90. And then on the snatch, looking at around about 100 and maybe around about 60, 70 kilos on the female side. So we can see that absolute strength is actually important. And what I would say is that the strength prerequisites are generally going to be related to your Olympic weightlifting. And the reason for that is the Olympic weightlifting is generally what is tested within the sort of strength tests that occur within the sport. Um, rarely we see in people going or competitions performing things like the CrossFit Total movements that are slower in nature, that require more equipment to sort of get set up, require more weight, for instance, doing a deadlift. Um, and then sometimes as well can be a bit of a higher risk of injury. Um, and I, I would say that you still need to be aware of those numbers, those sort of slower lifts, 
as such, and you still need to be trying to get them to a certain level. However, the priority for a CrossFit athlete is going to be snatching and uh, clean and jerk. And um, that's just because the sport heavily demands the Olympic weightlifting variations when things get heavy. Um, and then within that, just a note, I would say that if you are trying to excel your strength within the slower lifts and you're looking to increase your back squat, you're looking to increase your deadlift and strict press and these types of movements, in order to bring up your weightlifting movements, you've got to make sure that actually translates across. And this is you know, part of a wider general uh, concept that the strength training, whether it's looking at powerlifting or weightlifting, has to translate into your CrossFit. So this occurs on a number of levels. And I would say that what we do tend to see is it's fairly easy to get fairly strong within a back squat or a deadlift or a strict press. We can do that because the technical demands of those lifts aren't necessarily too high. And what tends to happen is people will reach their technical limit with their Olympic weightlifting movements before they reach their strength limit, especially within CrossFit, just because there's so many things that you're trying to get good at it's very, very difficult to sort of, you know, put all of your attention towards your Olympic weightlifting. So I would say that there can be an overemphasis on developing strength within those slower lifts, um, just because people feel like it's actually going to just be the, the, the hot ticket towards increasing your Olympic weightlifting. However, you've got to make sure that you're always assessing that. And I see still simple things like people doing back squats, uh, that look completely different to the receiving position for their clean and their snatch. Or I see people pulling from the floor in a deadlift and, the, you know, they pull sort of with a rounded back style, uh, you know, fairly flexed through their upper back and lifting quite a lot through their lower back and hamstrings, not necessarily getting as, as good leg drive. Whereas if we actually look at some of the things that we want to see within CrossFit is, if you're doing touch and go deadlifts and a lot of high volume there, you want to keep pretty good positions. You want to make sure that you've got pretty good rigidity through your spine and potentially pull the bar off the floor a little bit more like a weightlifter. And then with your weightlifting movements, you want to make sure that you have a strong clean grip deadlift and a strong snatch grip deadlift because that strength will translate over into the clean and snatch a lot more than just being able to pull a lot of weight off the floor. Now, don't get me wrong. There is a time and place to actually you know, push your nervous system and try these things out. But I would say that you have to make sure that uh, there's a transferability of those, the slow strength that you're developing within those lifts. So moving on from absolute strength, which is your max weight that you can lift for, for one rep, let's look at what we'd see with strength endurance and what we call battery style work. Now, this is probably where people actually get trumped within their training and their competitions more than absolute strength. Most often than not, when people feel like they have a strength issue, it's not because they weren't able to lift a certain weight within a ladder or something like that, because usually at that stage, people are understanding of where their strength levels are. Of course, we want to make sure that that goes up over time. But generally speaking, when people get a bit of a kick up the ass about their strength levels is because they're unable to actually perform certain weights within CrossFit workouts or within a competition. 
So strength endurance and battery work is usually where this starts to come in. And it can come in on a number of levels. It can be that the interference of other movements just created way too much fatigue to be able to perform good, solid movement over time within an endurance setting. It could be that the ladder of weights, so say for instance, you're working at you know, three different bars and you're increasing the weight each time uh, with the same movement, decreasing the reps, you know, typical CrossFit type stuff. It could be that the fatigue buildup from the previous weights was too much for you to be able to perform um, at that heavier weight. Now, generally speaking as well, people who do really well within heavy style workouts within CrossFit tend to have a good battery and they tend to be able to repeat heavier work uh, consistently. And we see this amongst uh, women as well, generally speaking within uh, open workouts and regional workouts and games workouts, the more sort of heavy repeated weights, um, they have been easier for women um, and the scores have been higher on the women's side than they have been on the men's side. So we have to look at what's actually going on there and what can be going on sometimes is that people who really struggle with these workouts can be a little bit too explosive. They can be a little bit too fast twitch and a little bit too switched on. And what ends up happening is they just sort of like blow themselves up to a certain point and they're unable to recover. So sometimes it's about bringing someone down making them a little bit more enduring because what you want is you want those higher percentage efforts not to send this fatigue signal to the brain and then the brain ends up you know sending this uh, you're really tired you need to stop you need to slow down so I'm going to shut things down and you're going to slow down so you have almost this uh, this internal conversation going through your body where you'll experience the fatigue your brain will assess whether that's a little bit too much or, or or whether things are okay and then sometimes what tends to happen is people will feel like okay and I was just completely gassed and they will say that they felt it that was more of an aerobic style fatigue than a muscular style fatigue uh, which I think people get confused with when they're doing a movement you know such as some heavy squat cleans they feel like their legs would burn out before they would be breathing too much before that, uh, that, that would end up actually preventing them. So we have to understand that that general and that central fatigue sometimes can build up and um, battery-based work is definitely very, very, very difficult. And, um, I definitely had some difficulties with it within my time competing and it took a long time for me to become a little bit more comfortable with it and it was, it was not working through absolute strength protocols and I think I remember I was working with a coach at the time and I I sort of was asking a question a bit of a loaded question and I asked okay what are the things that I want to uh, be aiming towards for strength metrics um, to be at this level uh, and at that level it was trying to qualify for the old uh, regions and I was expecting okay you need to snatch this amount of weight clean and jerk this amount of weight etc etc and the response I got was, you need to deadlift 143 kilos 50 times within this amount of time. You need to be able to do squat cleans with 100 kilos, uh, you know, roughly doing about this many reps this quickly. And in terms of open workouts, you want to get so far in these open workouts that are tested to heavier barbells. 
So from that interaction, that definitely changed my thinking quite a lot because I was very, very focused on the strength training that um, I was, I naturally gravitated towards that I did a lot of myself. And um, I, I think I just got to a certain point, and I think that a lot of people do, uh, where the absolute strength gains weren't necessarily translating into the sport, and it was difficult, and it was quite confusing as well. Um, and now I sort of understand that CrossFit isn't a strength sport as we typically see. So the strength training protocols that we see within regular strength and conditioning, weightlifting, powerlifting, they can't necessarily be applied to CrossFit. We've got so much fatigue interference within the general training. So adaptation is going to occur at a slower rate. It's not going to occur quickly. We're not six weeks away from you know, uh, hitting a new maximum on a back squat or something like that. Tendency is that these gains will happen a lot slower for people involved within CrossFit. And as well as that, the, uh, the demands of the sport aren't necessarily geared towards just lifting heavy weights. And I think I remember one conversation it was with, um, I think it was with this this coach called Alex Viada, who's a also an athlete, he's a hybrid athlete, he's a guy who uh, does triathlons, Ironmans, and then he also competes in competitive powerlifting. And I remember uh, him, him talking about the sort of trade-off between trying to increase your max squat Okay, or say for instance, you're looking for more strength endurance adaptations within CrossFit. Um, do you, would it be better to actually spend some time developing your 20 rep max squat? Um, which you know, I know there are programs out there that do that and develop the strength uh, 20 rep max squat. But the the uh, the amount that it would take for someone to bring five kilos onto their squat, or that you know that that same effort could actually just in bringing around about 10 to 20 kilos on someone's 20 rep max squat. So you have to look at things uh, from a, a little bit of a trade-off point of view. And, and I know that Evan Pycon from Training Think Tank, he talks a lot about adaptation currency. And you have to understand that when you're trying to create adaptation and results within training, you have a certain amount of currency. And when you go through training, you're going to be spending money and you've got to make sure that you are spending that money and making training decisions as economically as po uh, as possible so that you aren't necessarily going to be pushing all of your eggs into one basket and then unable to actually adapt from uh, training that's going to be going on elsewhere. So looking at the development of someone's battery, I'm going to look into how we can do that. And... What we're going to sort of look into is, you know, we've got the tendency is within CrossFit is that we have workouts that have high rep Olympic weightlifting and it tends to be getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And we've seen this with CrossFit workouts such as 19.2, uh, 16.2, uh, same workout. Um, I think 20.3, or yeah, I think it was 20.3, which was the cleans and then also the pistols and the box jumps. We had that uh, increasing weight from the clean and jerk. And then as well as that, 17.3. Uh, so if we look at the sport uh, at its basic level, which is going to be the open, and 
what I would say is that a lot of competitions do tend to use the Open as a bit of a, a, a standard that they then apply their programming uh, towards. So I think it is fairly uh, good practice to try to train for the Open, and most people are actually doing it. And we're seeing more and more now that uh, competitions at the advanced level are using Opens as the uh, or the Open as their qualification route. So how can we develop that? And um, I think the, the first port of call is creating the prerequisite absolute strength and making sure that there's technique there uh, that's consistent with those higher weights. So we need to make sure that someone's strong enough to be able to do the work. So if you're unable to clean 315 and I think 200 and 205 pounds, um, for 19.2, 16.2. If you're unable to do that, you've got to be able to do that. Now, if, say, for instance, that workout does come up and uh, you aren't necessarily, uh, you, you can't lift that that weight, then obviously you want to make sure that you can develop your capacity as much as you can at those lower weights. So I would say that this is a fairly, you've got to make sure that you're not just focusing on getting strong enough. That's always got to be something that's just ticking along in the background. And then however strong you are, you've got to make sure you can express that in an endurance setting. And the, uh, the sort of layout that I'm going to present now is going to show you how you can do that. So first off, we mix heavier work with moderate aerobic work. So we introduce some respiratory fatigue. We try to make sure that we can perform this heavier work whilst we're out of breath and whilst we have a little bit of general fatigue. So this could be doing um, intervals sort of similar to IWT, interval weight training intervals, where we're going from a aerobic piece into some heavy barbell, or we're going through, for instance, an AMRAP of 15 cal row, five heavy squat, uh, front squats, something like that. And then we start to increase the intensity of the aerobic work. And we keep this weight the same and we increase the intensity of that fatigue. We make it a lot more demanding. And then we look into pairing complementary movements with the barbell. So we start to introduce more local and regional fatigue. So if, say for instance, we're going to be doing cleaning jerks and box jumps, obviously the box jumps are going to be taxing the legs somewhat, which makes the clean jerk a little bit more challenging. But we're not necessarily going to be overly taxing the legs. We're not going through heavy deadlifts and heavy cleans. So we still are able to make sure that we can maintain good quality movement with the clean and jerk, but the movement that we have that's paired with it isn't necessarily going to be uh, causing too much interference at that stage. Then we start to look into movements that are non-complementary and that are potentially, uh, you know, fatiguing directly the areas that we need to keep fresh for the strength work that we're going through. Um, I remember doing a workout once, which was doing a round of barbell DT and then doing a round of dumbbell DT. Uh, no, no, it was switched around actually. So it was creating straight up grip fatigue and making sure that every single movement of the, the DT complex was experiencing a little bit of fatigue and then it was going through the barbell version of it so that I was able to try to learn how to handle that fatigue and that's what we would say is probably going to be 
um, you know, towards the, I would say that those, those instances don't necessarily come up in competition, but that's where we would potentially be training beyond competition. We would be training something that's going to be harder. Um, and within this, you know, we can do intervals here. We can do uh, continuous AMRAP style work. But what we're trying to do is just bit by bit introduce interference to make this work harder. And then what we can do is we can then, after we've done this and we've built up some training experience doing this type of stuff, we can then look into actually just practicing uh, some of the instances that we're going to see in the sport. We can start moving at higher paces. We can start working weights, which are typically seen within the uh, within the workouts that are prescribed. So, you know, the, the 135s, the 185s, things like that. Whereas when you first go through this, you might want to work off of just an RPE. You want to be just sort of giving a prescription of, moderate tough weight good speed good positions so that those parameters are maintained throughout and i would say that it's probably going to be better if someone is looking to develop their battery to start off with is just to sort of like lose the attachment that they may have to those big round numbers that we see uh, typically coming up in workouts and just to work off of trying to create some intuition around things so working off an rpe working off percentages can be also useful but just trying to make sure that the movement of quality remains high, that we're introducing that fatigue bit by bit. Obviously, there's going to be some breakdown of movement quality as we get further into this. But what we don't want is we just don't want to be practicing crappy positions and moving poorly just so that we can hit that 225 power clean in a Metcon. We've got to make sure that we're maintaining good mechanics throughout and then we're developing intensity uh, off the off the back of that, and I think that if if people are able to understand the difference between training and performing, then this is usually a bit of an easier decision. I think a lot of people just feel like they need to be constantly pushing themselves in the gym. It becomes quite difficult when you when your training is exactly the same as your sport. Um, but if you're able to make that distinction and you're able to actually think, okay, I'm training now. And what is the stimulus I'm trying to get? And how can I go about that as best as possible? And then week by week, just making little bits of improvement. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be a different Metcon every single week. It could be the same movements. But just using tools to sort of build up tolerance to working heavier weight, under fatigue, bit by bit, incrementally increasing the interference to eventually get into the stage where you can start practicing the sport. And I think that this is probably where a lot of people feel that they need to actually develop their strength and they're using absolute strength protocols to do so. So working just to sort of go off of uh, this framework again, we can start off, we introduce some moderate aerobic fatigue, we build up the intensity on the aerobic work, we then start working complementary movements and then we start working non-complementary movements. We work movements that are going to be directly uh, fatiguing the exercise that you're about to go through so it makes it very, very difficult for you to be able to maintain good consistent paces, good movement through, throughout that. It gives you quite an intense exposure there. Um, and like I said, you can use this format within intervals. You can use it within uh, typical CrossFit Metcons, but just trying to make sure that there is a systematic way to it, uh, as opposed to just doing strength work, 
sprinkling a heavy Metcon in every now and then. Because honestly, that type of stuff does work for a small period of time. And I think it does work for the individual who is just looking to have a good time in classes, compete maybe one or two times a year within a more community-based throwdown. And I think that, that is actually a fine way to train. I think it's really, uh, it can be quite fun. I think it's effective. And there's not necessarily going to be too much attention paid to the intricate details of what people are going through for progressions. But if you are serious about training, if you are wanting to make long-term improvement, if you are wanting to compete at a intermediate and beyond level, and we do see a lot of people who are amateurs within the sport, but you know have fun taking it seriously, and there's nothing wrong with that, um, you want to make sure that there is a bit more of a systematic approach to how you do this. Um, but just to sort of go over things again, I do think that there are some absolute strength uh, prerequisites. You do need to be a certain strength level to be able to play the game. But I also think that a lot of people tend to get pulled up by these heavier Metcons. These are the experiences that tend to give them the most trouble. And with that said, I think that people need to make sure that whatever strength level that you're at, you've got to try to be able to express a good amount of that weight within an endurance setting within CrossFit um, because that is going to be where you can probably get the most uh, from this and you can get the most from your strength within the sport. Thank you very much for listening. If you found today's episode useful, please share it with others. If you'd like some more content and information or are looking for free programming to help with your training in competitive fitness, then check out my website, which is included in the show notes. You'll be able to sign up to email lists there. You can find links to my social media on the show notes as well. This podcast is for information purposes only, and any use of the information is at the user's risk. Thanks again for listening.